Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live here on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I am David Walker. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and visit us online at HiveTalkLive.com. And we, we say that every show, but I really mean it. Like, get on Twitter, ask us some questions this show, get involved. We, we have the Twitter feed pulled up here. We'll take a look, and we'll answer your questions later on in the show. You can listen to us live every Tuesday. We are consistent at 6 o'clock p.m. at HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to listen to Hornets Talk anytime, anywhere. Uh, David, this is a a big show. I said before the show, I was really excited about this one because, uh, A, the Hornets are playing well right now and well in the preseason, so we get to talk about that. But also, there are other things going on uh, that I'd like to talk about. First of all, I want to say I promoted uh, Xfinity driver Ty Dillon for this show earlier. Uh, We we had to reschedule, so he will be uh, coming on the show either on the Saturday sit-down this week or next Tuesday. Uh, Ty Dillon, I don't know if you know this, David, big Hornets fan, big Panthers fan. He's from North Carolina. Yeah. He goes on podcast regularly and talks about Hornets and Panthers. I listen to a few of them. Very knowledgeable. Can't wait to talk to him. Also, another bit of news before we talk about the Hornets, we are going to be doing our first remote show November 7th at Fitzgerald's We're going out into the wild right well you know it's I think it's time so we're, we're in year three here season three and and you know our characters have matured right uh, it's we've we've gone beyond the high school years now we're in the college years and, and it's time to get out in the world and see what it's all about so we're looking forward to that more details to come on that but just mark your calendar Saturday November 7th if you're in Charlotte you can come by Fitzgerald's see us do our thing live and if not, you can always listen to us on HiveTalkLive.com. Again, big show here. We're going to break down the Hornets' first game in China and tell you what you should be watching for tomorrow morning. It's breakfast basketball, David. It got me to thinking, what kind of game food would would you like to eat at 8 a.m. in the morning if you were to watch this? If I was to watch this game, because of course I'll be working, uh, but as, if, as will I. Yes, of course. If if I were to watch this game, here's the thing, Doug. I like to have sort of a light breakfast during the week. Um, I don't like to to drag myself down first thing in the morning. So it would probably be. Now you're going to think this is super boring because you've already told me you have a super awesome, exciting answer. Uh, it's just, spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> it, it would. You know, it's just going to be a simple, maybe some Greek yogurt and some fruit, Doug. Some. That's just how I get down on the in the weekday mornings. Some Greek yogurt for your game food. Well. Y- to be fair, is it Oikos? Is that it the the Cam Newton yogurt? Uh, no, it's not. It's uh, How it's dare uh, you? it's uh, Faye. Uh, I don't FIBA it's... or FIBA. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we you saw that one. Either Fiba. that, or maybe some cereal, or maybe some. It's probably some some cold cereal. I went into the cereal aisle in the grocery store the other day, and it's the first time I've been in a grocery store in, in a good long while, mm. and and I just. I was amazed at, at how these cereals that were very appetizing to me as a kid, I couldn't sell myself on eating them as an adult. Like, like peanut butter crunch berries, no. or 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 even even like honeycomb. I, I stared down a box of Lucky Charms real hard the other day, but I, I did not get that. Anyway, my game food. <laughs> Go ahead. 
my game food would be, are you ready for this? Mm. Breakfast basketball game food, pigs in a blanket. Whoa. Because it is it is a game food that you could eat in the afternoon, but it's also essentially a sausage in a croissant. Croissant. Hmm. And Nick Batum would approve. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's a breakfast. We just uh, don't normally see it. I mean, sausage and a croissant. A sausage. It's not a sausage, though. It's a little hot dog. What do you think a sausage is? No, a sausage is different. A sausage is a essentially sausage. a fancy hot dog. All right, people on Twitter got to people got to be. Nobody's uh, eating pigs in a blanket for breakfast. Though. I mean, not no one, but no, no one's eating pigs in a blanket for breakfast. Anyway, though, I mean, no, I'm saying, look for a game. No, I, I'm not. I'm not advocating sure. that you go out and buy a box of honeycombs and and then eat some pigs in a blanket. I'm saying, what are you dipping them in? Oh, spicy mustard. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. Or here, oh, pancake syrup. Good since Lord. it's bra- since it's breakfast. All well, right. you have basketball all day long. McDonald's is serving breakfast all day long. There you go. It's a new day. Uh, it's it's a whole new world out there. I mean, Russell Westbrook is on cans of Mountain Dew. Anything is possible. All right. Also on the Are show. Are you sure you don't get to the grocery store a lot? <laughs> you get you have a lot of a lot of highlights. Um. Oh no! I I saw it on Twitter. Okay. Where I see everything. All right. Sure. All right, something I never thought I'd say again. I think Lance may be taking too many shots this time at the Hornets as opposed to for the Hornets. Mm. Plus, when his airness speaks, people take notice. When MJ talks about Jeremy Lin, my Twitter timeline explodes what he had to say and what we think about it coming up later in the show. But first, we have to talk about this first preseason game in China, the third preseason game overall. There was no uh, international letdown. There was no, you know, they, they came prepared. They had plenty of time to prepare for this game. Uh, but, you know, getting into China a few days earlier. Uh, but the Hornets played well, uh, getting the victory over the Clippers, 106-94. The offense looking fluid, scoring 37 points in the first quarter. That's very, you know, un-2014-15 Hornets for sure, scoring 42 points in the paint. Kimball Walker scoring 13 and dishing out five assists, five of eight shooting there. Nicholas Batum, three of six from the field for 11 points. This was a balanced affair, though. Cody Zeller, Jeremy Lin, Spencer Hawes finding some nice communi- nice communication and uh, nice rotation on some passes, uh, one that went up on Twitter that had everybody talking. Uh, but Cody Zeller, six of six from the floor, David. He's perfect from the field in the preseason, having just an absolute great start to the year, he finished with 16 points and 10 rebounds, and that's where that's where I'd like to start. Cody Zeller's play. I mean, he, he's going to get the start in this next game uh, in, in Shanghai, and and certainly he has earned a look back in the starting five uh, over Marvin Williams, and Marvin Williams has played well, but Cody. Spectacular. Yeah, as we mentioned a couple of shows ago, and I think Adi, uh, Adi Joseph, our good friend from Sporting News, mentioned it last week. Cody, between Cody and Marvin, Cody has the higher ceiling, so the higher higher breakout point. Whereas Marvin, we pretty much know what we're getting with Marvin, as does the coaching staff. So it's good to see Cody come out here, and at least in this game in China, and as you mentioned during the first of part of the whole preseason, I mean he has shown. I mean he has he has played well. He has he has seemed to take a jump from last year. You know, the first couple of years he even got off to slow starts, um, and it took him a little while to adjust. He looks like he's up to speed immediately now. He yeah. he looks he looks ready to go. He looks he looks strong. He looks fast. He looks athletic. He, six of six in that game. One from one from the three point line. Three of three overall. He's hit three of those. Yeah, bad he's boys. hit more threes I think in the preseason, right? Maybe than shoot all of last year probably. I don't believe he. I don't believe he attempted one last year. So he's extending his range, doing what he needs. It's nice to see a player recognize, hey, there's something that the coach has asked me to do to stay in this rotation. I'm going to do it and do it well. And also one little underrated part, I think, of Cody Zeller's game, and you saw it in that play that we tweeted out on Hive Talk Live. The, the, the this passing, is the ping-pong passing? The ping-pong passing. Yeah. But the way he moves underneath or very near the basket is very interesting to me. He makes slight little subtle moves underneath the basket 
to get a guy going one way or the other or to open himself up to passing. And that's good. If he does land on the second unit with Jeremy Lin, I think that's a big thing for the Hornets because, again, Lynn creates so much disruption by getting into the lane. It's if if Cody Zeller follows that up with nice movement underneath the basket, it could lead to a lot of points. And you look at you know we talked about it. Lynn coming in adds another creator, whereas in Cody's first couple of seasons has been Kimball Walker and you know Josh McRoberts, I guess, but 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 not really another another point guard that was out there with Cody that could find him. And you know Cody's gotten better too. I mean he's gotten more comfortable. He's able to throw his weight around a little bit more, and he knows where to be a little bit better. Um, and overall, I mean, you watch that game, and the ball movement was just light years ahead of anything we saw from the Hornets last year. Got to take into account preseason game, obviously, exhibition game, obviously. Um, you know, they were, they were out there to put on a show to some extent. But of the two teams, they certainly looked, you know, they looked crisp. They looked – they looked better. They looked like they were having more fun than any of the Clippers uh, for a lot of that game. Well, and, and I think that's an important point. Yeah. The team looks like they're having a lot of fun. And I had a conversation on Twitter through the Hive Talk Live uh, Twitter this afternoon, and it, and it revolved around this idea that the teams that go overseas or have these kind of weird playing situations it's in the huge. preseason, they, they build a camaraderie. And if you – if you read some of the stuff that's coming on Hornets.com, the players blogging about it, I mean, it seems like these guys are are coming together and and, and getting friendly and getting to know each other. And it and it, you know, eventually you see it on the court with you know Cody Zeller, Jeremy Lin, and Spencer Hawes developing that kind of relationship. And then also Kimball Walker and Jeremy Lin mm-hmm. and, and and Nick Batum. I mean, they're just again, it's going to take because we don't have a superstar. Because we really don't have a, a, a bona fide star, consistent year-to-year star, it's going to take Clifford finding those playing groups and maximizing their potential. And that's why we have our first question here on Twitter from Bill saying, any thoughts on Lynn and Zeller starting? They'll be starting against the Clippers tomorrow. The thought is, again, Clifford trying to look at how Lynn and Zeller play with Kemba, Batum, Jefferson, what that dynamic is like. And I think it's less about evaluating Jeremy Lin or Cody Zeller individually and more about evaluating their, you know, because they were, they were on the second unit, mostly mm-hmm. with, with Hawes and Roberts a lot, and, and Aaron Harrison got in there. But seeing those two guys play together with Kimba Walker and play together with Nick Batum, yeah. you know, that's, that's what they'll be evaluating. Like, let's get uh, two or three solid playing groups together uh, and that's what Clifford will be looking for. Well, yeah, you looked at it, I think, especially in the second half, there was a run there where it was Kimball Walker, Lynn, Batum at the three, and I believe it was then Cody and, and Al as your five. Um, and that unit looked pretty good. I mean, and I think there was some uh, chemistry there between Lynn and Zeller that they probably want to carry over and see how that, that looks on the first team, like you said. But, look, we can't dance around anymore. Jeremy Lynn was – pretty amazing in that game. He he looked awesome. Um, he came to play. It's funny, you know, I was thinking about it. Obviously, he's got the spotlight on him on this on, during this trip. Every time he touches the ball, there are oohs and ahs from the crowd. The free throw line, there are oohs and ahs when he's putting up a free throw. So I say that just to highlight, there's obviously a spotlight on him. He knows it. Everyone around him knows it. Mm-hmm. And he answered the bell. Again, it's an exhibition game, but it was great to see him go out there, play with, a ton of confidence. Um, we saw over the off season how he was working on that outside shot a lot, but he was really crafty on some of those dribble drives. Didn't have Chris Paul guarding him, so so certainly that helped out. But um, and again, his connection with with Zeller, a lot of those uh, underneath handoffs, and able to find him underneath the rim. I mean, it really looked nice. And for the coaches, again, yeah, you're right. They want to see what options they have because mm-hmm. once they lose MKG and had to do some shifting around, I mean, they got to find out who is suitable either to start or certainly to play starters minutes with that first team. So um, I'm excited to see that. I think you're going to see a lot of the same things because they had some nice moments out there and, and Zeller and Lynn, you know, Zeller runs the floor really well and Lynn did a great job of pushing it up when he had the chance. 
a couple of other things I want to talk about in this game, and then we'll we'll move on and talk about what we expect to see in this next game against the Clippers in Shanghai. Uh, first of all, one thing I liked offensively is that, and you saw it several times in this game, off of a missed shot from the Clippers, the Hornets and Brian Roberts did this one time, and then Kimba Walker as well. So they were both getting in the action, and Lynn may have as well. Early horns action. So off a missed shot, mm-hmm. pushing the ball very quickly. You would see the, the the two big guys, you know, Marvin and Al, so on and so forth. Or And Hawes got involved. Zeller got involved as well. Early horns action. And the defense struggled to recover. And the Clippers, not at a, I don't think, an amazing team defense. You can't expose weaknesses there. And and I think they, that's something I hope to see more often in the season, that early horns action that opens a lot of things up because it can open a three up. It can open, you know, it can open cutters. And you saw in the early horns action too, you have two wing guys spacing out in the corners as far as you can. Yeah. And there was just a ton of space opened up. So uh, that's what I liked offensively. But what I didn't like defensively, I thought Jeremy Lamb really struggled to stay with Reddick. He had a it, huge first half. Yeah. Th- there, there are some issues with his individual defense. And that 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 is a tough cover though. I mean, Reddick doesn't stop. Cover. Reddick doesn't stop, and 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 they were screening for him, and he, and he had it going. So yeah, it was a good test, and it, but it was it was uh, it was it was a tough night for Lamb. It was, and I don't think it was a lack of effort because that's what I look for. I look for it, it. It looked like he was trying really hard to get off those screens. It's just he couldn't. I mean, yeah. he just he got he and got Redick screened out fire. of the play, and then yeah, Reddick was was knocking them down, and and there were a couple plays where. He really like overcommitted to to one side of the floor, and it led to a it led to a Redick three. So it's something that that's where the weakness will be defensively. That's where you'll see MKG being out being a huge issue for this team defensively. Is when Jeremy Lamb gets out on an island, mm-hmm. he's just lateral quickness is just not there defensively. He's got the length, you know, and he seems and, like to have the athleticism. So and it helps, yeah. But ultimately, guys are are, are really quick. And and if so, if he gets those two guards like Reddick, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. There's going to be quicker nights. guys than Reddick too. But but Reddick does a great. Redick, he just doesn't stop moving. I mean, that's his game right now, and um, he uses those screens really well. And does not stop running at all. And Lamb, I mean, you know, he must have gotten exhausted. Must have gotten tired chasing him around all night. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know. But Lamb had some nice moments too, you know, especially on offense in the second half. I think uh, he showed some aggressiveness getting to the basket. Um, I mean, four of eight from the field, yeah, two of four yeah. from beyond the arc, and and hit hitting those, hitting those threes in stride. I mean, they weren't. He wasn't forcing it. Yeah, he he absolutely let the game come to him, and so that's what you like to see. And again, it's going to take if if Lamb ends up being in the starting unit, that's what has to happen. Because his defense is his individual defense is not going to get better overnight. So the the only hope is that his offensive contributions outweigh that. They're going to have to. I mean, the effort to pick up the slack on defense, I think, is going to be a team wide effort. I mean, certainly the the coaching staff and they're going to have to look at that and figure out some way to replace, you know, or come close to replacing what NKG brought to the table, which is going to be hard. I mean, it's going to be a, a season long struggle, but. You know the announcers in this game too were kept hitting on this new focus for the Hornets of of being offensive minded and and shooting and getting more spacing. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out once you get into the regular season and and things are obviously a little more amped up. But it looked pretty good the the other night. And you mentioned you know they've been in China for a while, but there's still you would think there'd be a little lag, but there wasn't any for the Hornets. Absolutely not. 42 points in the paint for the Hornets. Compare that to 20 for the Clippers. And, and they Doug, got to the line. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but real quick, eight points for Al Jefferson, 106 points for the game. I mean, okay, that you, that's a huge stat. Yeah, that didn't happen. We should have done. You know what we should have done for this? Box score boogie. A, a classic Hive Talk live segment. Save it for the regular season. We have to, yeah. but yes, that, that's that's that would have been a perfect box score boogie stat. That's that's big. I mean, if if Al didn't score last year, this team was getting in eighties, nineties. True, and and, so. and and you're seeing just as much from the second unit as you know. Kimba Walker, five of eight from the field. He didn't have to take 12, 15, 17 shots. 
And and again, guys are getting more of a look from the second unit because it's preseason. Sure. But you hope that mentality carries over where Kimba doesn't feel it necessary to take that many shots and to be more efficient. So we'll see. All right, let's talk about what again, I, I said it, it came down from the heavens. It's one of the reasons I'm I'm most excited about this show. Lance Stevenson finally sounding off. David, you and I talked about how rare, how weird it was that Lance always, through all the troubles that he had with the Hornets, he always said the right thing. Like yeah. He always kept it very close to the chest. And, you know, again, he just said the right thing. In fact, his statement when he was traded, even when he was traded, this is what he said. Thank you to Buzz City and the Hornets organization. While the past year didn't work out as I hoped it would, I really enjoyed my time in the city of Charlotte. I wish the Hornets success going forward, and I'm looking forward to doing whatever I can to help bring a championship to Los Angeles. But now we have these these comments uh, from Dan Wolke of the uh, OC County Register, and these comments from Lance Stevenson, I'm going to read them, but they came in response to something that Hornets general manager Rich Cho said about Lance Stevenson. Rich Cho saying he was one of the best young players in the league. They asked Stevenson about these comments, and Stevenson said this, I don't feel that. I was just sitting in the corner. That's not trying to be a star. A star normally gets the ball. I think the way they wanted me to be a star isn't the way my game is. So Lance finally sounding off now that he's out of Charlotte. Your thoughts? This might shock you. I really don't have any problem with this. What? I really don't. I mean, for first off, and maybe it was goodwill or, or call it the history of Lance's time here in Charlotte and when he left, you know, I, sometimes you got to put yourself in the shoes of these athletes. And I, I think, you know, the guys asked him a direct question based off a rich show quote, um, that he was coming here to be a star, which make no mistake about it. That was the plan for everyone involved. I mean, they took a gamble on him thinking that he was going to be the missing link. He was going to be a young star that was going to blossom in Charlotte and it went to crap early. That was who's <laughs> That was the Hornets gamble plan. That that's absolutely what it was. They thought he was going to be a star. I think fans thought he was going to be a star, but if you remember what Clifford he I was, know he Clifford say said that too, but that no, was No, he said he said like Lance is not a star. To be a star in this league, he compared him to Al Jefferson, which I think is interesting because I think Lance had issues with who was getting the ball mm-hmm. and and specifically maybe Al Jefferson and, and Kimba Walker. But he said, Lance Stevenson is not a star because to be a star in this league, you have to do it year after year right. after year. Right. Like Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson. He wasn't a star. Tr- he wasn't a star. I think their vision was for him to blossom into a star in Charlotte. And that's why I have pro- problems with these comments because there's, there's disillusionment here. I mean, there, this idea that, that, he, I think he has this idea that he is a star, and I, I think, think that's you know stars are to me stars aren't system guys, and, and and Lance always talks about the system and like how how he's being used by coaching staff, mm-hmm. but I don't think stars, NBA stars or superstars are system guys. Like put put C, put yeah. CP three on that. 2014-15 Hornets team. I mean, okay. Put okay. <laughs> put Jimmy Butler on that 2014-15 Hornets team. And I think both those guys respond better than Lance Stevenson did. Because those guys are stars. Yeah, those guys are stars. And Lance is not. I mean, I'm not arguing that. I just think that I just I don't have a big problem with this because, you know, he's saying that I wasn't he, that's not trying to be a star. What I, I'm not sure if he's saying I wasn't trying to be a star. I wasn't trying to stir things up too much. I don't know what his intent with that comment exactly was. Um, a star normally gets the ball. That's that's correct. No, um, he, look, he said, I think the way they wanted me to be a star yeah. isn't the way my game is. And he's often quoted as saying, I just want to play ball. Yeah. And, and I just don't. So I, he's probably I, correct. Right, because, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he tried to play ball. and, and It was horrible. It didn't work out. No, 17% from beyond the arc. 
uh, 30, what, 38% overall on the year, couldn't be trusted in the fourth quarter, wouldn't get back on defense, got yeah. frustrated. And I'm not absolving Lance of any, you know, wrong, not wrongdoing. I'm just but saying, like, I think everyone you know was involved. Biggest, everyone was to blame you, here. Well, you know what my biggest problem with this is, I think, is that, again, you go through all that time in Charlotte and you say the right thing and you yeah. keep it to yourself. And, and, and I, I'm sure yeah. he was. I, and again, I don't know the exact question that was asked of him, but according, if you read the Wokey article, it looks like he was responding to the Rich Cho right, comment. Right. So if that's the case, if somebody wasn't trying to really bait him into this, then I just don't understand why you say anything after spending all that time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't get too stirred up about it if I'm the Horn. I'm sure Steve Clifford's not going to lose any sleep over this or or any of the staff. Um, but it's probably going to irk some of the fans. And I, I get that, too. I'm just saying, um, you know, it's a comment by a guy who had a horrible experience here. Uh, everyone had a horrible experience here. You know, if he thinks he didn't get a, a, a fair shake at it or, or a fair shot to, for things to work out, it's hard to argue against that because they were looking to trade him in December. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot of time given to it. Um, it did seem like just almost from the very beginning, they were giving up on the plan. And it was a season-long drama uh, about are, is he or is he not going to get traded. It was a mess. It's not the best comment in the world. I just don't think it's, you know, worthy of all the hubbub. And I can't, you know, I don't really have a problem with him saying he wasn't used well here because <laughs> he wasn't. He played horrible. That was a big part but of that's, it. But, that's a big okay, part of it. Okay, but again, it's not because he was used. I don't think it's because he was used incorrectly. If because yeah. if you want to be a star, I I just that, don't yeah, think you're a that, system guy. And that's not his game. No. Yeah. And so, and and that's what troubles me is like I don't. I think he he thinks he's a star. Well, he's not going to. It's going to be the same thing in L.A. So I'm not sure what the forecast is because I mean the. Basically, I, I, well, the theme around that I'm article was that up. the theme around the the article was basically, you know, he's got another shot here in L.A., but they got to figure out how to use him. <laughs> well, here's here's something from Justin Russo on ClipsNation.com, another SB Nation blog. Uh, this is from sort of a breakdown of of Stevenson's first couple of preseason games. It seems like Stevenson is trying to make an impact in ways he knows how to, i.e. attacking the basket, trying to defend, and generally being involved overall. The issue is that he doesn't make the decision, the right decision, a lot of the time. Again, to me, that's not that's not star quality. Decision-making, to no. me, would be like number one, a number one quality of, of a star. Yeah. This, I, we're not arguing whether or not he's a star. So I don't think he's a star. <laughs> I, I was higher on him. I, I thought I thought it would be easier to replicate his Indiana year. And, you know, he got more usage, I think, in Charlotte and performed worse. They so, asked him to move the ball. And, and it's the yeah. same thing, again, it's the same thing that L.A. is going to ask him to do. And... Yeah, it wasn't a good fit. You know, at the end of the day, it wasn't a good fit. You know what I? And a lot of people saw that coming. (laughs) A lot of people. Um, A lot of beat writers. Uh, This is this is what I take from this. I think. I think this is great that this is coming out now because it really points to some larger issues that were going on at the beginning of last year when MKG got hurt and we had the the Hornets had the the really long losing streak. And it's that losing streak coupled with uh, other issues in previous years when MKG got hurt that leads to all of these stats coming out and these MKG articles about plus minus, you know, when he's on the court, Mm -hmm. when he's off the court. But there were larger issues going on with this team that involved a lot of it involved Lance Stevenson that made that team so bad without MKG. I mean, you look at the bench last year when all of this, when MKG went down, your bench was. Cody, who was not playing at the level that he's playing now, uh, Brian Roberts, Jason Maxiel, and Bismack Biombo. Like compare that to a possible bench rotation of Jeremy Lin, Spencer Hawes, and Cody playing at a high level, and then you know somebody Brian Roberts, Troy Daniels, PJ, a gunner, a shooter. Right. That's to me. That's encouraging for this Hornets team, and I said it when I talked to Adi Joseph in the last episode that. 
the difference between MKG going down this season, or one of the differences, and the previous seasons, is that this team seems to have a competent, maybe more than competent, offense this season. It, it looked like it. I mean, it looked like a, a totally different team, which in a lot of cases it is. But yeah, I mean, they certainly had a lot more ball movement. Just the last thing on this Lance thing. I guess, I guess, you know, what I'm saying is I just don't have a big issue with it. I'm not extremely like upset by it. Not, not that you are. Um, but the guy, he was asked a question. He probably does think he's still a star. He's yet to prove that. Um, so, you know, it's like, whatever. I don't know if I would go so far to say I'm upset by it. Right. I just think it's laughable that he would look at his own performance last season right and, and blame so if he would have followed blame the system if he would have followed this up with a star normally gets the ball there was a lot of that had to do with me i didn't, I didn't play, play well, up to my standards which again is something he said over and over last season right he did not put the onus on the coaching and maybe staff. again maybe that's what's sticking with me but you know hey it's a fresh start for everyone that's right. It's a fresh start for Lance. It's a fresh start for the Hornets. They'll be facing off. He did say he wanted to go after the Hornets or Jeez. get after the Hornets. And I don't know. I mean, it was three of eight uh, in that first game. Let's read the stat line here. Let's see how he got after it. Lance Stevenson, three of eight in 26 minutes of play, one of three from beyond the arc. Did get seven assists, two turnovers, well, seven points total. He had a very. He had a shot that I seemed like I seemed like I had seen a lot last year, where he he definitely tried to throw a lob to DeAndre Jordan, and it went in. <laughs> he is, in my mind, the NBA equivalent to like an NFL holding penalty. He's like a dry, like a first and ten NFL holding penalty. He is, a, is he is a drive killer. He's a momentum killer, and and I'm not the first person to say that. Because he makes mistakes, he makes bad judgment calls on offense in very unfortunate moments. And that's why, like the beginning of the end for Lance Stevenson and Charlotte is when Coach Clifford decided, I can't play this guy in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that came early. Really early? Really early. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, for him, for his career, I mean, this is obviously a big stop and maybe the last chance he's got because – you get with a guy like Doc Rivers, who notoriously is a player's coach, and if he can't figure out a way to use him there or figure out a way to be a valuable piece there, you know, you got to wonder if, if he'll ever be able to replicate what happened in Indy. And he's still a young guy, so. And again, but the the good thing for the Hornets and the good thing for fans is that Adi's commented on it, and and Nada has commented on it on this show. The team has a different air about them. It seems like there's been a weight lifted off of this team. They seem to be having more fun on the court, yeah. off the court, and there's a chance. It's not solidified by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a chance that we could have, you know, some, or, or we could see uh, as fans and commentators a chemistry being built on this roster. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, that, Lance Stevenson is not a part of this organization anymore. So. It helps. It helps. I mean, there's no denying it. I don't think you can. From people that have been around the team, like you said, um, Nada, who came in here and, and said it on media day, even he saw it. So that And, and more offense is going to help, I think, as well. Because, look, I, I attended, what, I, I went to 40 games at Time Warner Cable Arena. It was tough And, to and watch. I watched the 41 games on television. And... I can say definitively, a lot of times it was not fun basketball to watch. So Hornets fans, if you take anything away from these preseason games, because you you always want to be careful about what you read into the individual performances. Yeah, yeah. But take one thing away, it's this. This is going to be a much more fun team to watch on the court. Well, those preseason games even last year were tough to watch for preseason games. Um, and I know you're right. We don't want to, we don't want to dwell on it too much, but, but it's worth talking about that. There was such a stark contrast between what we saw, especially in this last game and what we saw for most of last year. I take heart in the fact that the, 
the ping pong passing play, and we say that because that's what the commentator said. Uh, I like about, it. I like it. Yeah, sure. Um, but you look at that play, and so I, uh, I tweeted out that play on Hive Talk Live, and it got like 59 retweets and 80-plus and favorites. And, and I took some heart from that because – it means that like people really respond to good basketball, not mm-hmm. just slam dunks, not just like huge blocks, but good fundamental Spursian, Hawksian, oh, Popovichian, don't jinx us, Budenholzerian, like <laughs> that kind of basketball. People look at it and they may not know. Oh, was that a flare? Was that a you know? Was that horns? Was that this? Was that that? Right. But they go, okay, that's basketball. I know that looked good. Like basketball is supposed to be a beautiful game. Sharing. Sharing is caring. That's right. That's right. Uh, it was. That's what I mean. There was a stark contrast between what we saw in that game specifically, but that wasn't the only play. I mean, especially between Zeller and um, and Hawes. I mean, they played out there together a lot. I mean, a lot of good looks, a lot of good passes. I, I didn't. I didn't specifically see that coming. I'll be honest with you. So that was good to see. Well, here's another key: is that the Hornets have brought in a lot of guys and then developed guys like Cody Zeller, and and they're coming in with confidence this season. You see it. They're just much more confident than they were last season. Lynn and, and Zeller specifically for me. I, even, I, thought. I feel like even Hawes, because look, if you look at Hawes' shooting numbers this preseason, not very good. He was 4 of 14. Hmm, not afraid. But he doesn't. Taking out that PJ role. Right. But, <laughs> but, he, but, he, get, but he gets back on defense, and he, and he makes good passes, and he's doing good basketball things despite not shooting the ball well. And we saw that so many times last season. There would be individual players or the team itself would not shoot the ball well and and the team confidence would would tank and the defense would lapse. It's why yeah. like the first half of the season the the or the first I'd say quarter of the season the Hornets defense was not very good and they rebounded so well that they ended up being a top 10 defense but that's that's impressive to see it and again you just hope that once they get back to the mainland once they get back home that that continues through the preseason and that's why I said silver lining for the MKG injury. You mm. get to find all of these things out now. And you get to learn how to play with one another now before the games start counting. Yeah, that's the one good thing. I mean, it's, 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 right. it's, it's yes. what you can point no, to now. Every, yeah. no, every, no, yeah. everything else about it yeah. is very sad and very bad. We but. should point out, though, three-point percentage, 22.7%. So still, we got we to gotta, we gotta get that up a little bit. But, um, you know, made five. Right. May 5. What? Look, you got to take them. Um, That's right. To make them. That's right. That's what Clifford said. Uh, So, yeah. uh, Among other people. I think they they averaged, I want to say like six makes. So if if they can get above that. And their and their main guy Marvin <laughs> was the yeah was was he was, was for one. So. Well, yeah, I mean Marvin was the big three point shooter last season. That's this, going to change, I think. No, I know Batum. Uh, that must have been a long two because they haven't. I'm looking at the stat sheet here. It says 0 for two from three, but I that must have been a long two he took. I thought he made a three. Another thing from that going back to that first game, anyway. one thing. Uh, so Jeremy, we mentioned Jeremy Lamb's defense being a concern. Another concern turnovers. I thought early in that game they were very sloppy. Nick Batum especially had three or four turnovers early in the game. And, you know, when you play the Clippers for real, for mm. really real, yeah. you can't do that. No. And this has to be a low turnover team. Well, as they mentioned, I think those two teams were two of the best in the league last year at taking care of the ball. A lot of that has to do with Chris Paul uh, for the Clippers. But uh, the Hornets were just very good at not turning it over. So you hope you can chalk that up to preseason, you know. Um, it was crazy to see Blake Griffin was basically running the point for large chunks <laughs> yep. of, of time. That I mean, that's scary. Um, I saw Spencer Hawes doing some. He was forced to do a little dribbling, step out. Well, and he hit a yeah, he hit a three. I just can't believe how well Cody's Cody's playing. Cody looks good, that, and that is that is encouraging to see because if the Hornets are going to have any hope. Of, of sustaining and getting better with MKG out, you have to have somebody step up and take a jump. And Cody seems like the most likely candidate 
along, uh, you know, other guys are there too, but that's one of their young draft picks. They're looking for those guys to develop. They desperately need a draft pick to develop. Absolutely. So. That, well, and and they'll be looking at Frank as well, and he didn't get the kind of minutes that he has uh, or, the, or the kind of looks that he got yeah. early on in preseason. It's, it's rookie, I, you know, I mean. Uh, well, look, gonna, I mean, if Cody Zeller is going to play that well, then yeah. it just may be a reality. And I agree with something you said last week. I'm not too worried about him missing some of these shots inside that he's getting pretty good looks at. I mean, some of it is strength, but some of it is just – I, I think touch and and just and just not finishing on some of those, so I'm not overly concerned by those right now. But to be honest, he's not brought in there to be a banger. He, he's you know they didn't draft him to go in, inside right away. Not I mean, yet. Yeah, not yet. But uh, you know his shooting stroke looks good, and if if worst came to worst, you know him having a prominent role in his rookie year would not concern me as much as other guys. And we'll talk about it later. He he moves and grooves with the best of them. Dance moves <laughs> in China. We'll have social media Katie, producer Katie. She'll be on a little later to talk about those dance moves. Pretty crazy stuff. Go on Instagram right now. Check out the Hornets Instagram. It was on there. Is he chemistry MVP right now? Well, look, I mean, you he know, certainly Kimba, brings an Kimba, air. Kimba, Kimba blogs about it and, and talks about how goofy of a guy he is. In From a, good, a rookie, though, I mean, that's not well, always it's, easy. It's confident. Again, yeah. it's confidence. Yeah, yeah. It's he, he's not, and it, and it shows itself out on the court. He's not uncomfortable, and that's like. If we've that learned anything from the Adam Morrison's and the the other draft uh, misses that the Bobcats had, it's confidence. It's guys just sort of losing the, the mentality when they get out there, and, and I just don't think that that's a concern at all. No. And as I've mentioned on the show before, it's marketable. From just a pure business standpoint, when you compare him to Justice Winslow, who I know a lot of guys wanted to draft, but or wanted the Hornets to draft. Yeah, you but Justice is kind of a quiet that. guy, and 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 I think Frank already doing commercials. He's just a marketable guy. Nobody, you know, I know we're talking about basketball. Hey, but hey. I like to look. Look, this show looks at every angle. Even Frank's funny. Frank's even funny. breakfast foods. You can't even pigs in a blanket. That's right. All right, let's talk. And speaking of uh, angles, uh, Grantland dot com. Are they Grantland dot com? They have their own. URL, right? Uh, they do for now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still live. That's a good one. That's funny. Um, all right, so Grantland.com almost has an obsession with writing about the Hornets. They love it's the str- Hornets. It's this, strange. This, they love the summer of Hornets. It's weird, right? Because the Hornets, or Charlotte, as an NBA market, are usually ignored by national media. But Grantland putting the microscope on the Hornets. This time it's uh, Kirk Goldsberry. We should say, uh, would you say this is the most positive story we've seen <laughs> of the bunch? I'm just trying to think offhand. I mean, not much you can do about the MKG news, but. Right. I think uh, Lowe low has a way of being both positive and negative at the same time about the Hornets. Yeah, he's, he's liked some things, certainly the. Just the time around the draft was tough for everybody. We'll leave it at that. Right. All right, Kurt, Kurt Goldsberry writing on, on Grantland.com. The title of the article is, The NBA's Next Shooting Revolution Has Already Been Televised. It's a lot of stuff we've heard over and over from the, the analytics and the you know since 2003, player tracking. A lot of this stuff, again, we saw it anecdotally. And we talked about we saw it, and then we talked about it anecdotally, and now we're getting the data year after year. And basically, long twos or uh, unassisted twos, bad. No good. Assisted twos and three-point shots, good. Free throws, good. Stuff near the basket, generally, good. So Kurt Goldsberry goes into this, and designates the on-my-own mid-range field goal as especially atrocious, the OMFG, as he abbreviates it. 
Uh, the OMFG yielded a meager 0.68 points per shot. That's low, considering uh, that, an, and this is from the article, considering that even an average Sixers possession yielded 0.93 points. Then he goes and he brings the Charlotte Hornets into this because the Charlotte Hornets led the NBA last season in attempting 1,768 OMFGs or on-my-own mid-range field goals. That's not good. You bring Lance Stevenson into that as well because he was one uh, known to do that, but also Kimba Walker goes goes it on his own a lot. I don't know how many of those you factor into like uh, – like Al Jefferson back downs. I don't know if you like you Yeah, know, and of course his turner cuz the thing is like his moves a lot of time take him back into, away into from the ra- into right. that mid-range, yeah. Even though they're they're technically post moves. moves. Yeah. And of course you got a starter who we know has been well documented did not attempt a three-pointer all of last year in MKG, so who was actually good from mid-range, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that that wasn't mentioned in this, but is actually okay from mid-range. But but the point remains, Doug. Yeah, I mean that's the overall that's the overall theme. That's where the NBA is moving these days is away from these 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 low efficiency mid range two point shots. So we agree with some of the things in this article. He points out three guys in particular: Kimba Walker, Gary Neal, and Stevenson as the biggest uh, perpetrators of the OMFG. And, and I believe he mentioned Mo would have been in there too. Had he did he had he played more had in he Charlotte? Yeah. More, yeah. So. There's a lot that we agree with, and and luckily it seems like, or, or fortunately I should say, it seems like the Hornets are moving away from the OMFG and more into a you know move the ball fluid type of offense. But there's one little thing in this article, and and I say little, and but it's really the thesis of this article, the crux of this article, and it's basically that because. And you can correct me. You've read the article too, David. Correct me if I'm wrong. But but what I take from this is that because Michael Jordan owns the Charlotte Hornets, right. and because Michael Jordan basically lived, breathed, and and became a superstar on the OMFG, he was good. That that's why the Hornets are or were philosophically an OMFG team. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That blows my <laughs> mind. Like what? I mean, that's insane. Not and only look, that. I, let's let's preface this before we get into this. Like Kurt Goldsberry, very smart writer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love his stuff. Love Grantland, obviously. But that the, to me, that thesis is just way off base. That Jordan, because Jordan was an on my own like hero ball. Shooter he was the poster boy for as 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 Goldsberry paints it, and, and and rightfully so. And he frames it around you know that last shot in Utah. Kind of as a kind of as the last of the hero ball. Hero ball. I, I guess. I mean, is that hero ball? I think to me, Allen Iverson. Al, to me, yeah. Allen Iverson would be the the last bastion of mid range to making a, a superstar career out of getting your own shot. And he points to a couple of guys who are still doing it, like CP3 and Marquise Morris and. Gordon Hayward, Gordon, Gordon Hayward, who the Hornets tried to with, right. tried to bring in, which would have even been would have fit in this article even more. Right. You wonder, but but it's interesting. I mean, he does he does acknowledge that you know correlation from the owners' box to what happens on the floor with the players. That's a there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of layers in there, but still, he 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 makes the connection between M- Michael Jordan and what's on the floor. And then goes on to, you know, compare that with Steve Kerr and what is going on in Golden State, which to me was even more of a of a of a not a stretch because I mean it's accurate. All this stuff is accurate, but but he's but he's stretching it to say because Steve Kerr was this type of player, basically a spot up shooter. What it's it's what it is, and that classic. It's turning correlation into causation. Yeah, I mean, and correlating he, again, the, the he, fact that OMFGs were high with the Hornets last season with the fact that he MJ owns the, owns the team and MJ liked OMFGs and saying there's some cause or or insinuating that there is some causation there, and and, and further he says he 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 uh, links he says specifically Jordan's Hornets and Kobe Bryant's Lakers are essentially last of the dying breed. Jordan's Hornets, <laughs> like Jordan doesn't play for the Hornets. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, um, he doesn't coach the Hornets. And, and the thing is, if you follow the Hornets closely, as we do, and I know with this, and that's probably, this is yeah. Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. If you follow the Hornets closely, you know that Jordan is notorious for getting involved in like player personnel decisions, who the team brings in, but he's also not, he's also stayed like, he's not very interested in coaching or he's, I don't, or, I can't remember him ever even commenting on a play on the court. Yeah. I mean, I, I not publicly. Not I mean, publicly. he's on the he's on the bench and he's talking to players. But it's more of a of a. Of it's a, not a Jerry Jones situation it, where he's down like calling plays. No, the, the only thing I can recall is when he used to like yell at an official here or there, or not even yell, but just you know, you know, give him a stare down or say something to him, and and I probably got some flag for that, backed off. But like when he was on the bench, it was more of a fist pump, you know, more of a fan, more really looked like a fan. Sure, and he and he's much more in my mind just interested in the business aspect. He pushed for the trip to China, for I think business reasons to get the Hornets more on a national stage to get them more involved internationally. Yeah, and I think you're right in that. Obviously, we're a lot more dialed in or or paying close attention day in and day out to what the Hornets are doing, and what they're doing right now is moving away from that, trying to rebrand as as more of a of a of a modern team offensively. And we only bring this up, David, I think because. We often talk about how strange it is that the Hornets are linked to Jordan's legacy in, in a way that a few other teams are linked to their respective owners' legacies. Right. Well, that's the thing. Again, another example. Jordan is the Hornets. Hornets are Jordan. Another example of you could not make this comparison with any other any other. Uh, oh, because he owner. has to go Warriors Kerr, Kerr being the coach. Right, he compares Jordan's Hornets to Kerr's Jordan's Warriors Hornets. and Popovich's <laughs> Spurs. So not only is he comparing the Hornets to, oh, I don't know, the two best teams in the NBA. Um, That's tough. That, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Kirk. <laughs> but who also have you know players of the future in MVP Steph Curry, who you know he I think he deserves some credit. <laughs> Right. And what the Warriors are doing, not to say that Steve Kerr doesn't, because I love Steve Kerr. Um, I think he's awesome. I think he is amazing. He's a big part of what they're doing there. I just wonder how much different uh, you know, this write-up would have been had he taken the Knicks job, for example. I love the idea, though, of – I love the abbreviation. It was – I wish I was in the room with him when he came up with this OMFG. I mean, that's brilliant. He brought, yeah. That was a great aha moment. And he, I mean, he ends up saying, "We already know where this is going. We know it's happening." Um, I, I don't. I, it doesn't really feel like it was intent. I don't know. Do you think it was intentional that this was saying? Because there's no, there's no shortage of people trying to link Jordan with the Hornets or put Jordan. Jordan is still drawing headlines and clicks and reads and everything else. Um, and anytime you can point at that and and, right. and this draw a correlation, this, that's great. This article, as you said is factually accurate, but if you replace my if every time he mentions Michael Jordan, you replace it with Steve Clifford. Who? I don't know. Oh, 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 oh. The, right. Okay. The coach he's, the head coach actually, of the Hornets. He's actually not in the article. Right. <laughs> Never mention you get it. You get it. I mean look, I you know, I just think that when it comes to the Hornets, uh, everyone just talks about Michael Jordan a little too much. Oh, Speaking yeah. of Michael Jordan, he is well, the headline yeah, yeah. of our but, next. But the last thing on that, Doug, last thing on that, Doug, we mentioned Clifford, and we said it all last year. What else were they supposed to do last year? We just talked about Lance Stevenson, Kimball Walker, the players that they had out there, and Clifford has said this too. You know, we were a little bit hamstrung into what, you know, we had to play a certain way, and that was to lock people up and make it a little, and grind it out. And that's, you know, that's what they did. Now, we'll see how it plays out this season. Uh, we can look back on it after that. But, you know, like we said, a, a accurate article, interesting article, well-thought-out article, uh, just an inter interesting uh, comparison well, look, there. We don't want to make any enemies with Grantland no. writers because they could soon be SB Nation writers. Or HBO Or HBO employees, employees exactly. So, uh, you know, again, much love to Kurt Goldsberry. Just some interesting... Good read, though. Yeah, go read it, by the way. Grandline.com. The, the article is titled, The NBA's Next Shooting Revolution Has Already Been Televised, if for nothing else, to watch Jordan's shot against Utah. You can't that, watch that, it enough, kids. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. But it this whole discussion highlights the fact, and you just mentioned it, 
that the acquisitions that were made by this team uh, are so important because they're fundamentally changing the way this team plays basketball. And so we had Michael Jordan explicitly address this. I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. So I, I'm sorry in advance, but this is. Uh, but I want to. I was hoping you. I was it. hoping you would go for this. From the, I'm going to say, Xinhua News Agency, X I N H U A. If you if you know the pronunciation, please tweet us at Hive Talk Live so I can correct myself immediately. Um, but it's also via the score. Here's the comments that Michael Jordan had about Jeremy Lin. He said, "Quote." We just got Jeremy Lin, who I think is going to be our biggest acquisition. His penetration, his shooting capability, his point guard savvy. He can really pass the basketball. His energy about the game of basketball is something. Okay. Okay. He is, uh, in Jordan's mind, the biggest, or he thinks they he will be the biggest acquisition. What say you, David? Well, there's a, there's a couple of interesting viewpoints that you can look at this, right? So let, let's step back and let's think about, okay, before he said this, who would you say was responsible for the Jeremy Lin signing? Well, I think ultimately Michael Jordan makes, uh, he's in Right, right, right. But I'm saying Cho, Cho flew out there. Oh, I mean, yeah. we pegged him as kind of a Cho, a Cho move, right? Yes, I think. On. I uh-huh. think. Sure. So if that is the case... And now you have Michael Jordan saying that that was the most important signing. Could that be a sign of? Uh, could that be a sign that perhaps there's some smoothing? There's some, yeah. There's overlay. some because we talked a lot about how there may be some troubled waters. But look, winning fixes everything, and and great performances will fix things. Yeah. So so you could look at it that way. Say, hey, well, maybe he's maybe he's given a little more control to Cho. Maybe he maybe he's maybe he's going over a little more to that line of thinking. That's that's one way. I'm just throwing that out there. Other thing is you, you mentioned, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the organization that reported. I will not repeat that name. I definitely can do it, but I'm not going to do it. Okay, um, that has to be taken into context. <laughs> Where he is, who's asking the questions, and the guy they're talking about in the midst of this, you know, Linsanity Part Two, which it is not tour. Obviously, I'd say I'd say Michael Jordan. Pretty, was well aware of where he was. Savvy. Yeah. <laughs> pretty business savvy. He doesn't freeze now, up. He doesn't okay. freeze up much. Okay, so we've gotten context out of the way. Yeah, I just okay. I want to know, do you think Jeremy Lin is the and this is a we we should define the terms, I think. Biggest acquisition. He did not say Oh, oh, oh one other thought I have on that, Doug. Okay. Just to interrupt you one more time. Sure. Do you think there's any possibility that in Michael Jordan's mind at the time that he made this comment that he viewed acquisitions via trade and via free agency differently. That's another, again, we're, we're really, I have we're really, really, di- we're I've, really I've... splitting hairs. <laughs> we're getting into the semantics of this diving deep. This is Hornets talk for the hardcore fan people. We're diving deep. He could have very well been thinking that, but but I'm you asking me a direct you, question. You just you're avoiding it at this point. <laughs> I'm trying to look at it from all angles. Do I think he's the biggest acquisition of the offseason? What no, does that I, mean? What does biggest acquisition mean? That's what yeah. I. It's like is it is it the most? Because I think there may be a difference between biggest acquisition and most important acquisition. Because like biggest acquisition in terms of Twitter followers, yeah. He said most important, right? He said biggest. He said biggest. Okay. It's a it's a little bit of a vague term, so I'm going to clarify it for the sake of this conversation. Did we have, I don't a, did we have to, a follow up question? I don't. I, well, I don't know how to define biggest. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to say, do you think that Jeremy Lin was the most important acquisition, either via trade or free agency, to the Hornets this offseason? So far, yeah. Based on based on on court play. Based on on court play. Okay. So you think Lin is the the most important acquisition based on on court play? I'm going to actually disagree. And say just in the context of this team, I think that Nick Batum was the most important acquisition. And here is my reasoning, and it's not a slight to Lynn, but this is my reasoning because we saw what happened with Lance Stevenson last mm-hmm. season, and Nick Batum is essentially in the exact same position that Lance Stevenson was. He has to come to this team, and then really the exact same position that Lance Stevenson was when MKG got hurt. 
specifically. Yeah. Because then Lance had to move to the three. Gerald Henderson stepped up in the two. And now you're seeing this exact same situation where now Batum's role becomes even more important. His defense becomes even more important. His offensive production becomes even more important. And they're both on one-year contracts, but Nick Batum making, what, $15 million? Mm-hmm. Is Lynn one or two? Lynn, uh, he's as a second-year player option. Okay, 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 so, okay, okay. And, and if he continues to play this well, don't think he'll be exercising that player option. Well, I, no, and, and I, I agree with you. <laughs> I just I, think in terms of, like, you know, well, it, Nick Batum is a guaranteed starter. Yeah, they've been looking to upgrade the two guard position for, for a four long years. Time. Four years, five years. I mean, for so a long if you're time. talking about just if you're talking about straight Charlotte basketball legacy, the two guard position has been in such a drought. Yeah, that even though Nick Batum is moving to the three, just that wing, that offensive wing. Yeah. If if he no, if he I, does, and, and the thing is, if he doesn't perform offensively, this team. Could be in real in serious trouble. It's and, and, and a lot and, is going to fall on him. And I another mean, argument could be made that that the same goes for Lynn. But I yeah. think when you're talking about Nick Batum being a guaranteed starter, then I think it becomes the the more important acquisition. You're right. I hope I I hope I laid my case out. No, you're uh, right, and I I really should have clarified. I do think obviously he's Lynn has been more impactful and has been uh has played the best so far this this season but um right now he's still slotted as a as a backup point guard we think we'll, we'll see after this you know who knows maybe maybe he's the starting two guard i mean that would be that would be an interesting twist if you had batum and lynn starting i kind of i kind of doubt it just uh, i don't foresee it happening but maybe i mean it's not out of the question i don't think anything is at this point but you're right batum brought in to be the starting two guard after being in Portland, his time to shine uh, and, and step up into a bigger role. But I will say this, Lynn, the competition with Kimba Walker as well is going to be good for for the team and for, for Kimba, I think, as well as Lynn. Uh, but that's going to be important because there hasn't been a lot of push you know, maybe a little bit with Mo last year, but I think that's a that's a that's a key factor in there too. And Lynn has just he has played well. I think he is going to bring a lot to the table. You're right, though. I mean, Batum is the biggest off season addition when you look at the whole scope of things because and, and he's going to be your starting two guard. And I'll make this one last point too. Lynn has already talked about how he he likes the city of Charlotte. He likes it compared to other situations that he's been in and he's talked very uh, openly about how he likes the coach and he likes the system. Uh, But Nick Batum hasn't really talked about a lot of that. And so I I just think at this point, very early on, and and this will continue to develop where this, what I'm about to say really won't matter. But if the Hornets can keep Batum, then it says something about this franchise that they can they can convince a player that didn't already come in with with some sense that they liked the situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Batum really hasn't talked about like this particular situation, and he was traded here. You know what I'm saying? He, they would have to. It seems like Batum is going to be have to be convinced in the off season that there isn't a better situation. And you know what? So much is riding on that because what's the thing that's, we've heard? And th- to me, what, that's what makes it more important. What's the thing we've heard this whole time? If he leaves then that trade is going to go back and be seen as a disaster. Whereas Jeremy Lin was brought in in free agency. If if he does uh, leave next yeah. season, there's no, again, there's no like, con- there's no looking back and going, oh, you know, damn. Yeah. We lost player X player. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Uh, Both important. Both important. We we consistently go into overtime on this show, and it's something I'm proud of because it means we have a lot to talk about. But we're in overtime, but we still have time for one last thing, and it can be none other than this Frank the Tank dance off. It really wasn't a dance off. He just he just danced on his own, danced everyone out of the gym. Nobody nobody wants to get in a dance off with this guy. Uh, but go to the Hornets Instagram. We hearted it on Instagram. Follow us there uh, at Hive Talk Live. Uh, but some serious dance moves, David. I don't know if, if you've had a chance to look at it. Oh yes. Um, it was it was pretty serious. So we've brought in an, an expert 
and and all things dance moves, and it's our own producer, Katie. Uh, I, I just called you an expert, Katie. I, I I mean, you can you can talk about your credentials. You're a, I, I, you're a wonderful dancer. Um, I was at a wedding this weekend, and I danced there. So <laughs> those are your credentials. You saw a lot of dancing too, I'm sure. So oh, I saw all kinds of dancing. So I'm pretty much an expert. All right. So you've seen the dance moves that Frank displayed. Uh, first, walk us through uh, his performance and tell us what you think. Give us your give us your rating. So it's like a 30 second video. We've got it on our Twitter. We've just retweeted it recently. So I'll just kind of give you a quick breakdown of his moves here. So he kind of starts out doing this, like rubbing his body thing and he's rolling his hips. And then he does mm-hmm. the lasso sort of situation. Then he kind of stops and you think something really good is going to happen. And then he just kind of shimmy shakes his legs a little bit. I think you're, I think you're kind of, I think you're kind of underplay. I mean, shimmy shake his legs, I think is, is an underplay. I mean, those are, those are well, some thunder hip moves. He's trying to do the um, uh, Soldier Boy Tell Him. What is that? That <laughs> dance with his legs, and he crisscrosses them like Soldier Boy. And it's he starts off pretty good. It's a little uncomfortable because it's like strangely sexual. Uh, Deadspin asked everyone if they were aroused by the dance moves. So I'll ask you, producer Katie, were you aroused by the dance moves? I'm just um, a, look. I'm, I'm a, look. This no. is my job. I ask questions. I ask other people's questions. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna say no. All right. So I'm not... so sorry, Frank. Frank, I know is obviously listening. So Jeez. Frank, I apologize. That's tough. He's a little young for me, I guess. I feel like they were. Look, I feel like they were great dance moves. Guys, you know, He's guys don't. Guys, do, not a lot of guys move work. like that. I'd have to stretch for at least half an hour. David, your thoughts. He's I was also not aroused, but he is a <laughs> he is a tall guy. You gotta give it to him. You gotta give it to him. And you know what else? The team loved it. Especially Jeremy Lynn. He he could not get enough of Frank. Yeah, I mean look. Hey. Yes, final final thoughts, producer Katie, as we as we play the music and light the lights. I will say I did not think about how tall he is, because he is really tall. And he is moving around a lot, and that's a lot of body to haul around. That's right. So, it's a weird center of gravity. I guess, I guess all things considered, it went really well, especially because his team seemed to really like it. But I think it's a great. Re- I think a that's a great review. I think that's a great review for the Hornets preseason in general, David. All things considering, it's going really well. What do you think? I think it's a great way to end the show, too. Uh, it's perfect. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Hive Talk Live. Pay attention to the Saturday sit-down. It could be Ty Dillon, could be someone else. Just pay attention to Twitter, and, and we'll give you all the information. Latest on Showtimes and Insider Hornets info, also there on uh, Twitter, at Hive Talk Live. Hive Talk Live is a production of SB Nation and at thehive.com for previews, recaps, and more on your Charlotte Hornets. Visit at thehive.com. We're back live again on Tuesday. We'll, we will recap uh, the rest of the China trip and much, much more. I'm Doug for David and Social Media Katie. Thanks again for listening. It's Hornets Talk for the high, hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Let's swarm, Charlotte.